0: Welcome to the Wayzata Free Conversations Podcast. In today's episode, Kevin Meyer, lead pastor of Wayzata Free Church, has a conversation with Kevin Complin, president of the Evangelical Free Church of America, about the background of the EFCA and the unity and differences within the E-Free Churches. So welcome, Kevin Complin. I'm so glad you're going to be here in a part of our conversations. Um, I, I should be much more formal than that. I should say, President Complin, thank you for being here. But we do have some history, but thanks thanks for being a part of it.
1: No, you're welcome, Kevin. It's great to be here. I mean, I, the, the one, of the, the one of the things I love doing probably more than anything is being in dialogue with local church leaders, talking to pastors, talking to, to folks in local churches, because yeah. ultimately it's what happens in the local church. That I mean, we, we exist, even on a national level, to be able to come alongside and serve our churches. So Yeah, we well, used a word
0: that we're going to get into, the word dialogue, which is is something that uh, we seek to do, but we don't see it happening a lot in our culture. But I did want to give a little backstory, because uh, we known each other for quite some time. We went to seminary together, to Trinity yeah. Divinity, Evangelical Divinity School, our um, denominational school. So we were there together. I did not know at that time that you would be the president, but... You had all the look and makings for it. I knew that. But I do want to say you also go back further than that because you uh, knew my wife. You grew up in the same town together, um, which yep. she every once in a while will sing. That great big busy town, which I think it is. No, it's not. No, like they have like a, a stoplight, and then I think there is a railroad crossing that does get some backup from time to time. But anyway, Thief River Falls, northern Minnesota, and and, and beyond that, you went to the same church together, the Thief River Falls Evangelical Free Church. So you have known my wife for quite some time. And here's the last bit of background that I've been holding for a while that I thought I needed to just share. You were in high school play together. Is that correct? We were. And yes. is it true that you were in Brigadoon and that you actually married and kissed my wife? Uh,
1: seven days in a row, to be <laughs>
0: honest with you. <laughs> I just Between get final that out
1: rehearsals <laughs> and like four and like for actual production.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so is yeah. it true that you you gave up acting in order to go into ministry?
1: You know, it was not hard to give it up, let's put it <laughs> that way. <laughs> so, you know, when you have no future in something, it's easy to give it up. So let's oh, put it that way.
0: I got It, it it's been, it's it's going to be fun to talk to you. I'm going to let you talk. I just want to say you've been a part of being pastors in in a number of free churches here in Minnesota, California, as well as the Reach Global um, director over Africa and and now currently president. So, what does a president do?
1: Well, you know that's that's a great question. In fact, Kevin, when I was first uh, first elected into this position, now almost six years ago, I remember leaving the conference and Becky and I were driving home, and I turned to her and I said, "You know what? What what does a president do? I've never been president of anything before. <laughs> I mean, not even my fourth grade class." And, and so, there's this question: What do you do? And I think part of what I found. Is that it, it is about it's an incredible opportunity to be able to walk alongside leaders within the EFCA and and its district leaders in our 17 districts in the U.S. Reach global leaders across the world as our, our we have you know 600 missionaries in over 40 sure. countries around the world and, and to walk alongside pastors and leaders and, and folks in local congregations. Yeah. In fact, I, I you know I tell the people in our national office in Bloomington that. If the city of Bloomington would let me, I'd love to hang a huge banner across our, our office that simply says, how can we serve you? Uh, because we really exist to serve our correct. local churches. Right. We partner with our districts to do that. And we exist to serve our churches. And and, and to me, that, that's a great joy to be able to, to do that.
0: So in many ways, you are still a pastor, just on a much more global level, in a sense, and where you have the opportunity to cast vision. To um, pastorally care for its doctrinal integrity, as well as um, the pastoral work of how do you do missions, how do you do all kinds of things. So you get that you're just really part of a big church. Is what I, you're the pastor president of a large large church, correct?
1: You know that that's really true because I mean a significant part of what I do is to make sure that we really are able to resource in ways that can be helpful to people in churches, that that we convene folks for the right reasons, get people together to be able to pray for, talk about, wrestle with issues. And then that we guard the things that really matter to us, our doctrinal integrity, we guard the ethos of the EFCA. And and there are things that we can do that in a sense are uniquely free church to be able to allow that to happen.
0: So let's talk about the Evangelical Free Church of America, which we will be referring to often as EFCA. Uh, we are, as you said, a servant leadership kind of organization. We are often called an association of churches. Uh, some don't like the the word denomination, but association of churches who are united together to do ministry and also united around some values and doctrines and beliefs. Um, you're not the Pope. So a lot of people, you know, you don't have the ability to say this is what we should believe. This is what we should do. How do you keep an association of churches moving together um, doctrinally. I mean, it, you can't demand it. So what's what's that look like?
1: Well, I, I think it, we need to go back, Kevin, really to the early days of the EFCA. And, and I'll go back to 1950, which is a point where a group of Danish and Norwegian evangelical free churches and a group of Swedish evangelical free churches realized that that the Swedish, Norwegian, and Danish languages were kind of going away, and that's why they had individual groups, and they, sure. they they really had the same heart for a lot of things. They came together and merged, and when they did, they put together a, a doctrinal statement, things that that they believed, that they held very tightly, that were a part of sort of the gospel essential. As we look mm-hmm. at our 10 points of our statement of faith today, this is kind of gospel essentials for us, of those things that hold us together. And so what, what really connects us with, within the EFCA is that statement of faith. It's something we say, This, these are truths that and values we hold, and we're mm-hmm. united around that statement of so, faith. So and, you don't yeah.
0: speak ex cathedra and comes from President Kamplin is the new interpretation. You basically have taken what, what the church throughout its history has done and said these are important doctrinal statements, correct?
1: I, that's really true. And, and in fact, really my job is not to somehow speak authoritatively into the things that are part of our statement of faith. It's rather to guard it and to say these are the values that we that we hold. These are the things that hold us together. And I I appreciate as a comment that uh, that uh, David Dockery, former president at our university at Trinity in Chicago, David said as he looked at our statement of faith, he said the EFCA statement of faith is far more about what we agree mm-hmm. with other godly evangelical people than it is that we disagree. It it it's in a sense essential things uh-huh. that that we hold to. That's what holds us together as a, as an association of churches.
0: So what, that's what keeps us from f- being floating along according to every cultural whim that comes along. We are anchored right. by these 10 statements of faith that call, that kind of help us hold together. That's why we associate partially because we believe that but also uh, to do ministry that we couldn't do necessarily alone as a church
1: and that's really true In fact it goes back to the really the early days of the free church movement and, and and what brought us together were those common values those things that we hold together as far as the 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 doctrinal beliefs but there was also a value there's also a value for doing ministry hmm. and, and recognizing that we needed we together could do things we couldn't do alone it, it it focused on sending missionaries. It, it focused on planting churches. It focused on training leaders. So it, it it shouldn't surprise us. Or Even camping ministries,
0: that, right? Yeah. Like a- you get right. a bunch of churches in the Minneapolis area and they go, we want to send our kids to camp and they can purchase land together and begin a minister that way.
1: A- ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All of those things fit. And so there are things we said, we can do things together. We couldn't do alone. I mean, you know, I mean, I think for example, you know, we have a, A challenge youth conference every other summer. You know, four to five thousand students and 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 and, you know and youth leaders together. Well, no church could do that. Correct. We're able to do that together. Where there's so many things we can do better together than we could alone.
0: So let's move into this name, and I want to look at for a moment the word "free" because there's lots of jokes around that. There's you know all the time time you have people say, "Well, that means you don't have to tithe," or you know, it costs you nothing. It's Financially, you can go there and be free as a member. Or I heard a really interesting one of some free church pastor in Colorado. Uh, the person saw the sign, whatever it was, evangelical free church and, and 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 came up to the pastor and said, I really like this group. He said, I, um, I can't stand evangelicals and I'm so glad there's an evangelical free, kind of like sugar free um church and and he had shared that so I, it doesn't mean that so tell us a little bit you know why in the world do we have the word free in in our name
1: well it really goes back kevin to the early days of of starting of what really it would have become called almost a free church movement around the world it's not just here in the united states it it, it began in europe um in the mid to late 1800s there was an ex- really a significant spiritual awakening that just, uh, just washed across Northern Europe, primarily the Scandinavian countries. And it was during that time, people came to a genuine faith in Jesus Christ. And they said, wow, uh, they, they trusted Jesus as their savior. The word of God suddenly became alive to them. They, they longed to read and study the scriptures. They wanted to pray together. They wanted to be able to celebrate the Lord's supper together. And here's what they found in, in that day, in that time, the church in those Scandinavian countries was a state church. Mm-hmm. And and if you were a member of the country, you were a member of the state church. and Whether so it be Lutheran had,
0: or Catholic or whatever it would be. Yeah, it was, it it was actually, a state-controlled right. church, right? Yeah,
1: it was a state-controlled Lutheran church. <clears throat> and, and so it was, and, and what they found was everybody was a member. Mm-hmm. And being a pastor was a really good job. It, had, it paid well, it had security and a variety of other things. So if you had connections, you could get the job to be a pastor. What they found was there were pastors in their churches that didn't even really know Jesus. It was just a good job. They would come to church and the big deal, a lot of it was communion, mm-hmm. was, was sharing the Lord's Supper together. They would come to the point of sharing the Lord's Supper, and they would look, and the people sharing the Lord's Supper with them may may have been somebody who they knew was a swindler in business, somebody who was just not living in any way a Christian life, and they're going, this is wrong. I mean, yeah. is, isn't there a place where we could gather to truly study the scriptures, celebrate the Lord's Supper, and be together? And so they started what they called free churches because yeah. they were free from the control of the state church. In like fact, they really started as what they called them readers' groups. Right. They would meet in homes and they'd read the Bible and they'd sing some hymns and they'd have the Lord's Supper together. And, and that's how it all started. And and so that that moved into what they called free churches, and they were persecuted for that. I mean, totally, they were
0: imprisoned, they were persecuted. There was things called conventicle orders where, I mean, think about it that in that day, um, only uh, a priest or a ordained clergy could serve communion. Um, right. And then the Word of God at that point, you know because of the printing press now is getting into the hands of wealthy people and so now they could read that in their own home which they couldn't before right. and with that right. was this sense of only the word of god could be spoken or read in the church so there was so many things in it in that movement that that said let's be free of that control let's let's move into that place now in doing that um, part of our history then is this in this movement is the ability to agree, to disagree, to major on the majors and not minor on the minors. And how does that fit into it? I mean, they had a, a thing called two things that I think are very important the significance of silence, but they would also say, uh, kind of pointing their finger at the Bible, where stands it written? So explain a little of that.
1: Well, let me start with the where stands it written, because what came out of these readers' groups was a deep love for the word of God. I mean, it's like for the first time for many of these people, they got their hands on the scriptures, they began to read it, they began to study it together, pray through it together. The spirit of God was just really stirring in their hearts. And they began to see things even around them that that they said wait wait a minute the bible says this and we see people doing that Mm -hmm. and and it was like no what does the bible say about something and so even as they looked at what the state church was saying it's like no wait a minute the state church is saying we have to do this but the bible says this Mm -hmm. and so where is it written in the scriptures that's the where stands it written piece where is it written in the scriptures well what we found that came out of that was this real sense of we we need to major on the major issues, which for us in the EFCA are those 10 points of our statement of faith. Mm-hmm. These are those major things we hang on to. We're going to major on the majors, and, and we're going to, in a sense, minor on some of those minor issues, those those things that godly people have, have had differences of opinion about for a long time. They're not central to the work of Christ and the gospel. And we go, we're going to agree to disagree and to do it agreeably.
0: Okay. So let me just stop you there because yep. we, you said that so... Um eloquently and yet so um what's the word uh I almost so simplistically like it wasn't a big deal but we were talking about some in that day some major points of difference like infant baptism yep. or believers baptism how you what is communion is it memorial something you remember or is it is there's in some way christ in it and and, and and you know there's all kinds of things that back then were not they didn't necessarily say we're essentials. So how do we how do we land on that? I mean, how do you keep this in a very we're in a culture today to take those kind of stands? And I was thinking about this. It wasn't any necessarily easier back then because I was just thinking to myself, we live in a really highly polarized culture that it's really difficult to keep a middle way of unity that says, well, major in the majors and not on the minors, and and to do that. But yet years ago, they also had the same difficulty. And one of your jobs, president, is to keep that door open in that sense and say, how do we do that? So what's your thoughts on that? Well, I
1: think the key to it is we have to continually say. As our as our forefathers and, and, and the beginning of the free church said, where is it written in the scriptures? First thing, let's study the word of God. If it's mm-hmm. an issue here, let's make sure we wrestle well with what the word of God says. See, I, I think my place in leadership in the FCA would be to look at the leaders of, of a local church and say, okay, this is an issue that you're wrestling with. I mean, it could be baptism. Maybe it's a theological issue. And gifts you of the wrestle, spirit,
0: with, all kinds of different yeah, things. Gifts
1: of the spirit, yeah. the whole, you know, the whole idea, you yeah, know, yeah. Calvinist Arminian debate, all of those exactly. things. Yeah. And, and to be able to look at that and say, what you need to do, local church leaders, you need to wrestle together with what does the Bible say? What does it teach? And then what do you believe God is asking you as leaders of the local church to do to live that out in your local church? Right. And and recognizing for me and in, in my role is to is to focus as well on the autonomy of the local church. We're mm-hmm. in a sense interdependent with one another, but local churches have the authority and the uh, responsibility under Christ to determine how they're going to govern themselves, how right. they're going to, how they're going to live out this faith that that is that is really crystallized within the 10 points of our statement of faith. So it's the combination of where stands it written and the autonomy of the local church and congregationalism. So, and, and I think it's a responsibility of local church leaders to say, what does the Bible say? And how can we live that out well?
0: So it's it's actually possible that there could be a church where one of the pastors does believer's baptism, but will also do infant baptism. And down this road, they would say, we won't ever do it. I mean, within the free church, that's not a major stance, right? Yep. That's not yep. one of our fundamentals. You could have one church that is very much saying the gifts of the Spirit have ceased, uh, be more cessationist. And another church that says, you know, we're just much more charismatic. That's one of the beauties of the free church is there is that because people say to me, right. well, your church isn't like the free church I went to in North Dakota or in right. Illinois or something like that. And I go, yeah, you're exactly right. We're a different community of people, but we still hold the 10 statements of faith.
1: Yes. Right? And I think and, and that's not new. I mean, that that goes back a ways. This, this is not like, oh, it's only 21st century. This has been a part of the free church for a long time as people have taken seriously the word of God and the responsibility of local church leaders to lead well in their congregations. And so that definitely, and in fact I found during the years that I was a local church pastor, I mean, one of the, one of the things that is interesting within local free churches, you can have people within your church that have different perspectives on those things. And it's, and it's hoping, yeah, we, I did. in, in the <laughs> churches I pastored, it was like, you know, and, and, and to some degree, I guess if it wasn't for the grace of God, and, and for just the loving care of people, you'd think it might explode. Yeah. But there is a sense, I think, when there's a, when there's a true maturity and understanding this idea of the significance of silence yeah. is that there are things that we, uh, that we can be, in a sense, silent about. We don't have to draw hard and black lines on things. Because I, I, one of the things, Kevin, that concerns me is, is that too often we draw hard and fast lines on things that we don't need to draw lines right. on and 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 it's it's uh, being willing to give grace in in areas being willing to say i'd love to learn from you you have a different perspective on this than i do uh, man what what do you as you look at this scripture how do you what what do you sense that god's teaching us through this i've learned so much from people yeah. that i spent time with who would agree wholeheartedly on the 10 points of our efca statement of faith but look at some other things a little differently and i've learned so much sure. and expanded my own understanding by being with them
0: Well, and that takes a a posture of humility. And I I think one of the things as I look even in our own church and I I encourage our church to be able to be people that love one another, even when we do see differently, whether you're red or blue or black or white or pro this or anti that or you wear masks mask or you don't wear masks. mask. I mean, just so many things to divide about. And somehow one of the things we can model in the way forward is what you said right in the beginning is dialogue learning how to lovingly talk about things that you might have. It doesn't mean you don't have deep convictions. It just means you right. do them. You, you share them compassionately and listen compassionately.
1: Yeah. and So much of that, Kevin, is the attitude that you bring. Mm-hmm. I, I think if it's, if it's in a sense like uh, an issue of I have to prove you wrong so that I can be right mm-hmm. rather than a I want to understand. Can you help me to understand what, what you're saying here, what you, what you mean by that, and, and are there things that I could learn from that. And, and I think, honestly, graciously, there are things, and I, I look at it in my life, there are things people way smarter than I am, and, and who have studied way more than I've studied, who believe equally as passionately about the yeah. authority, the inspiration of the Word of God as I do, yeah. who look at things differently.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And and, and I oh. really appreciate you sharing that because I think people who are saying, hey, I've never been a part of an evangelical free church and they are in a membership class or they're attending. I'm, I'm hoping a podcast like this just gives a, a flavor of some of the things you just talked about that are so important. Where stands it written? God's word. Um, Absolutely. What does it mean to in humility follow in in the lead of the Holy Spirit and and so that the people of God can can be united? And I've talked a lot about unity not being uniformity or unanimity, this idea that we're all the same or this idea that we all have to vote the same, but more this idea of, I talk about unity that is both relational and missional. And I think that's incredibly important because it's the great commandment, relational, we will love one another. Even though we don't agree and can disagree on certain things, but we'll also be on mission together, which is the Great Commission, and somehow unity has to bring those two together in in, in a body, in in a family. Well, so. it,
1: it really does, Kevin. I mean, I, you know, I look at this and you see it through the scriptures. I, I, I love studying in the the first or oh, the first third of the Book of Acts, I and mean, as you see in the early days of the church. I mean, what what what, what propelled this incredible gospel movement? Well, it it was. It was the empowerment and the teaching of the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was the the Word of God that the Spirit of God took and just impressed in people's hearts. It was redemptive relationships among the people of God, where they had relationships together and they were on mission together. Yeah. I mean, if you take those four things—the Spirit, the Word, the people, and the mission of God—and all of a sudden stuff starts happening. And truthfully, some of those you know little issues that people want to draw lines really fine on kind of go away because. Yeah. It's it's the essentials of the gospel that drive us.
0: Right. So let me um, change gears. We talked a little bit about free and how we move into this. Uh, yeah. These different things we've talked about the significance of silence, which doesn't mean we're we're quiet people. It means there's certain areas that we just go um, we'll be silent about it because. When we get to heaven someday, we'll have a much better view of what God really intended. That right. So um, let's talk about evangelical. I, this is, I mean, I save this for last because this is kind of the hot button right now. And and that word itself, I mean, when I used to teach that, I would say it meant three things to people. It, I would talk about it being the Bible, being God's Word. I talk about it with regard to salvation, that it's in Jesus through our faith in the gift of his grace. And then I would often talk about the idea of evangel. We, we wanna witness and share with others this incredible love of God that you can, can know as you encounter the living Christ. That's changed. The word evangelical today has, there's just many definitions. There's a political definition Right, there is now a sociological definition, such as older white or whatever. There is a right. demographic definition of the South and you know the Bible Belt, and, and yet there's also a theological definition, which was really the first definition when the word was really being used early on by Billy Graham and others um, as they were moving away from a fundamentalist kind of liberal debate. They they said let's choose a word that. that that um, like luggage holds well what we mean and intend. And what I find in these different definitions now is words really are like um, cases of luggage or they they carry meaning, they pack meaning. And over time, what's in it, its meaning can change. I mean, we would not refer, most people don't say um, someone is gay and they refer to someone being a happy, jovial person, right? I mean, the definition changes. As as the present, how how do you negotiate through this? I mean, I think evangelical has been asked to carry way too much um in yes. its training.
1: Uh, it, it, it has. In fact, uh, it was just a part of a of a webinar earlier today, in fact, uh, where Mark Knoll, who years ago taught at Trinity and, and uh uh and he was talking about this whole idea of evangelical, of the word, and that it's it's asked to carry a lot mm-hmm. today. Um and 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 even as we think about what it means. Now let, let let me back back it up because I think to some degree we need to make sure we're clear on on what we mean with a definition. What you said those three key things, those are that's an essential understanding of what we would say more of a creedal view of evangelicalism. Not right. not not a tribalistic view which has kind of that demographic political side of sure. a part of this tribe over here. No, no 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 no. I'm I'm thinking more of this creedal sense of the word of God and the work of Christ. And the witness of the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's those those key things that are part of it. I want to take it back even a little simpler than that, because this this I had a good friend who described it this way, and he, he he pastors in a in a church, a large large university is close to his church, and he you know deals with this issue a lot in his congregation. I said, how do you deal with it? And he said he said Here's what I here's what I say when people ask me. He said I say, the word evangelical really is a, is an English translation of an ancient word of a biblical word right. that simply means good news. And so truthfully, when I think about evangelical, I, I'm a carrier, I'm, I'm the one that brings good news to people right. who, who are hurting and broken. And and I think, um, you know, I, I, I want to try, and, you know, when you get into these kind of polarizing discussions of things, I found the simpler I can keep it, the better. Right. To be able to say, you know, there's a lot of meanings of the word evangelical. And we could go back to what it meant in the 1950s when some of these, you know, different groups were started. Sure. We could go back to, you know, we could look at what it is today politically and all of those other things that are there. I said, like, could we go back like to the beginning? Mm-hmm. And so what is the word, really, what does the word mean? And it's it means good news. Yeah. And and what I found is when I do that, at least it, 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 it helps, it sort of quiets the discussion down a little bit. Right. to go okay so so you, you're you're not a bunch of hate-filled angry people that are out there screaming at folks right no i mean not not really i mean what this means is we we have good news that we want to bring right that god right. loves you right. and, and and he's got you know a significant heart for you and i i, I just find for me kevin i spent a lot of time the last <clears throat> few months thinking about this so why, why do we do what we do i mean even this whole idea of evangel why do we do it? And right, and I come back a scripture that just has just like in neon flashing on the page for me, Ephesians chapter two, verse four. Uh, in the early part of Ephesians two, Paul says, We are we're dead, we were we weren't sick, we were dead right. in our transgressions. Yeah.
0: Wasn't a fever, verse four,
1: but God, <laughs> yeah, who is rich in mercy, and because he loved us so much, he made us alive together in Christ. Right. And, right. And, why we do what we do is God's compassionate heart for lost people in a broken world. Yeah. I mean, he, he longs to be back in road. That's, that's event. that's the evangel. That's yeah. the, that's the good news. So, I mean, I, I try to go back to that as much as I can and not try to do some, you know, some debate and discussion about, sure. um, you know, we're this, they're that, whatever it is. I mean, people don't want to go there. I, i have just, the simpler I can make it
0: the better. Well, let me just thank you. Cause one of the things I want to do is, People may not know this, but we have defined evangelical free church. And we didn't talk much about of America, because one of the things I would say is evangelical um, around the world has a a, a much different meaning than it has in America, in in the U.S. But Mm -hmm. when I say this, uh, you know, we defined it. We've we've talked about churches that we are a people who associate uh, around values and around uh, around mission. We are um, a free people that are not controlled by a state, but we are free. Um, to be able to really follow the spirit of God according to the word of God uh, so that the people God, of God can stay together on what are the, the main basics of it. And we're evangelical in that we we really believe God's word is important. It's the authority for our life and that that salvation is um, simply through faith in Christ. And we want all people to know that. So you have done an incredible job, I think, explaining to us what, um, why you are president of the evangelical free church of america and i'm so glad that you are kevin thank you for that well, th-
1: thanks for the opportunity kevin to be with you today i mean i, I just so enjoy what god's doing in local churches all yeah. around um you know all around the country and you know once uh, uh you know in the, in the days to come look forward at some point to drop back in out at uh, out, out at the out you know out at the church and connect with you guys again. That'd Please be do.
0: Please do. Thanks so much for taking time. I know you're busy and uh, giving us this opportunity to hear. And I just would say, Lord Jesus, take these words, take our thoughts, take this conversation, we pray, and, and, and enlighten um, um, those who may um, have had questions and in, inspire those who are seeking to follow you to live more fully for you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks. You've been listening to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. For more information about Wyzetta Free Church, please check out wyzettafree.org or download our app available on the App Store or on Google Play.